You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. Less than two weeks out from football season now, the Razorbacks are almost finished with their camp. In fact, uh, the, the word is that the camp ends on Wednesday. Then the Razorbacks will have another scrimmage this weekend. That's part of kind of a week-plus uh, period of, of leading up to the game week with Western Carolina. Game prep for that first game always is uh, another two or three days more so than it is during uh, a regular week during the season. Arkansas-Western Carolina season opener September 2nd. That's next Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. I'm Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon of wholehogsports.com. And uh, what we're going to do this week, we've got two podcasts. We're going to break it up. And, and so today we're going to talk about the offense. Later this week, we'll talk about the defense. But today we want to kind of hone in on the offense and, and tell you what we've seen from the Razorbacks during their camp period. Uh, it's offensively that the story in the offseason was Kendall Bryles left. The Razorbacks went to TCU. Back comes Dan Enos, maybe a little bit of a surprise hire, just given the fact that, uh, you know, he was at Maryland. Uh, it kind of came out of left field to me, at least. But Dan Enos is back. Uh, it's a, a coordinator who's got a, a ton of experience. And I think where we're going to see Dan Enos, Scotty, play the most dividends, I guess, this year is going to be in his quarterback work. I, I don't know that Arkansas made an improvement from Kendall Bryles to Dan Enos as far as coordinator goes the the proof's going to be in the pudding this year in terms of you know what they're able to do offensively but I don't think there's any doubt that when it comes to being a quarterback developer that Dan Enos is a, an upgrade over Bryles uh, just given his track record a lot of great quarterbacks that have worked with him throughout the years and I, I think that we see some some differences in KJ Jefferson going into this season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it's been pretty cool this preseason to, you know, watch practice. We we get anywhere between, you know, three and six periods per viewing period or viewing window that we get to to watch practice. I think I've been to just about every practice except maybe two. And a lot of the times, because Arkansas goes through its fastball start earlier, which, you know, that goes, you know, one offense versus one defense for, you know, four or five plays and then the twos and then the threes go. And then immediately after that, the team breaks up into individual drills. And because of where I'm standing on the field, because I know most of the time I get the the defensive alignment for the notes and observations that we do after practice and stuff. And a lot of times I'll end up standing near where Dan Enos is with all of his quarterbacks. And there is, I feel like there is so much more teaching and attention to like the fine details with quarterback play this preseason, like with Dan talking to, you know, KJ or Criswell or Cade Fortin or with Malachi Singleton and, and you know, even some of the guys that in that position group that, that people don't know the names of, like there is teaching going on, you know, every rep, every drill. And it's been really cool to kind of hear Dan, you know, talk to his guys. I remember one, one practice, the offense didn't do real great in a fastball start period. And and Dan was was talking to his guys when they were going through a drill, and he said, "If we don't practice well at this position, practice sucks." <laughs> and I, I was like, "That was it was really kind of cool to kind of hear the 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 brutal honesty." But but Dan didn't say it in a way where it was like demeaning. It was just like, "Hey, we got to get it in gear," um, because everything you know, obviously on offense starts with the with the quarterback. You know, the quarterback and the center have the ball in their hands every play, 
And I think you wrote about it last week. I think you can see definitely some changes in KJ Jefferson. Like you wrote his pocket posture is really good. I agree with that. His footwork's great. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot better than it has been. And I think, you know, finally there is some comfort in what happens to the offense at the quarterback position if KJ, like last season, has to miss some time. And I think there's a lot of confidence in in Jacoby Criswell. Um, Sam Pittman was even saying that in the spring. Like, I feel confident if KJ has to miss time that he can go, that Jacoby can go in and win an SEC football game. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, him him spending time with, with Dan Enos. Yeah, and, you know, Enos, I want to go back to something I said a minute ago about I, I think he's a better quarterback coach. You look at him over the course of, I think this is his 32nd season as a college coach. Some of those have been as a head coach uh, before he came to Arkansas the first time. Uh, but most of those 30-something seasons have been spent as a quarterback's coach. And he played the position at Michigan State. You, you go to Kendall Bryles, up until about four or five years ago, he had never coached quarterbacks. He was a wide receiver coach. He played wide receiver in college. And so I, I just think that that background provides a certain attention to detail that K.J. Jefferson hasn't had up until this point. Now, he had that a little bit his first year working with with Joe Craddock, who was a, a quarterback's coach, obviously that didn't go real well with Craddock's offense and, and Jefferson didn't play a whole lot that red shirt or yeah, that red shirt freshman season in 2019. I just think that the combination of the maturity of Jefferson, the expertise of Dan Enos as a true position coach at quarterback, I think that that's going to uh, pay a lot of dividends for Jefferson this year. And I think it's going to help him a lot going into next year's draft. Uh, I want to talk about the, the footwork because that is the thing that has really stood out to me different about Jefferson. And, you know, when you watched Arkansas the last couple of years, the offense was really good, uh, but we saw him be really great on down the field throws. One of the most accurate passers I, I've, I've seen at Arkansas in terms of 20 plus yards downfield, but you've seen some maybe um, erratic play in what I would call the short and intermediate passing game. So basically anywhere from, you know, line of scrimmage out to maybe about 15 yards. Uh, his his throws just it hasn't looked like, and, and I'm not a quarterback coach, but I, I, I know what I'm trying to say. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to verbalize this right, but it hasn't looked like his hips and his feet and his upper body have all been in alignment on some of those shorter throws. And so, you know, we've seen it where, you know, he overthrows somebody or maybe a receiver has to kind of fall down and make a catch because the the ball dies. And I think that, you know, your feet are such a integral part of playing so many, you know, especially the quarterback position, it's almost like uh, shooting a basketball. If your feet aren't pointing at the goal, you know, the, you're, you're probably not going to make that shot. And I think it's kind of like that with a quarterback. If, if your feet aren't in alignment with the rest of your body, it really makes playing that position hard. And and I think what we've seen this preseason is that he's still not the most accurate passer on those short passes, but the feet are always moving. And I think that's going to help him with his accuracy on some of those shorter passes where he's, where he's uh, not had it the last couple of years. And I really think that the footwork on the deep passes has been really good. You know, you kind of have to step into those throws to get the ball 30, 40 yards downfield. Now he's stepping into these throws on the shorter passes. And and that's been the real big difference that I've seen in Jefferson. Yeah. I think the last several years, you know, you hit it on the money. I think he's been, he's been a terrific down the field passer. And it probably is because, you know, you have to step into those throws. And I think one thing that Dan 
Eno has said, and it kind of struck me just like the knowledge that he has of the position. I mean, you, you spend so much time, you know, coaching quarterbacks. It's mm -hmm. like all that, all that experience and all that confidence that you have from coaching that position for so many years. I think that bleeds over to quarterbacks and then they start really like when you hear Dan Eno's talk, and I think there was one quote, I can't remember what he said, but it had something to do with like your feet, your hips, and your eyes have to be like in harmony. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really drilled into KJ this this spring and in the preseason and even in the, the, the summer work that he did when he went out to California, uh, worked with, with a quarterback coach. Um, but I think his downfield passing has always been really solid. Like that struck me, like even the first start that he had when I think against LSU his freshman year. Um, and then those those throws to the flat, and then obviously the throws behind the line of scrimmage. He's always been really good at that. I think he was like over ninety five percent on those behind the line of scrimmage throws last year. They're really accurate in the past, but I think I think he's got to make defenses feel him like in that intermediate part of the field, over the middle of the field, down the seams, um, maybe ten, twelve, thirteen yards downfield. Um, I think Dan's really going to help him with that. And I will, I'll say this, like there have been some days where I'm just like, there's been some throws maybe in the, at that intermediate level where I feel like, man, KJ should like KJ last year would have made this throw. And then he comes back and then he, you know, yesterday he went like 10 for 10 in a drill against, you know, defensive backs um, in a, in a coverage drill that I really enjoy watching. That was by far his best day. Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to get closer to the season and he's starting to kind of feel that, you know, like the season's really on him. Um, those first few weeks, like the first two full weeks of camp can be really, really tough on you. Um, and the third week can too, but it seems like he brought a lot of energy yesterday. And I just, I feel really good about KJ. And I think he's got like supreme confidence in himself, just the way that he's moving. Um, and honestly, I really feel confident in him that he just wants to ball because we've talked to him a few times in the preseason, and it, he doesn't seem like he's got just a ton of interest being there. Like, he just wants to go play ball, yeah, he's man. He's tired of talking. He definitely is. And I think it's because he's just got – right now he's got supreme confidence in himself. Um, and I think he's really just trying to hone in on, like, the, the connection with basically a brand-new cast of receivers, too. One more thought on the footwork is that, you know, we've – obviously he's been, you know, really elusive the last few years. But he's done it – from almost a statue position, you know, he gets flushed out of the pocket and he's standing still flat footed. And then he takes off. I have to think that if your feet are always moving, okay, you got another step or two on that defender. I'm interested to see if that helps him in his scramble uh, situations this year also may help him some on those rollout passes. Uh, just, uh, he looks like a different quarterback to me. Uh, certainly one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if, if not the best quarterback in the SEC this year, and and I don't know when you've gone into a season really thinking that Arkansas had uh, one of the the elite SEC quarterbacks, uh, but but I think they do right now with KJ Jefferson. I'm not saying he's an All American or anything like that. I'm just saying that that he's a really solid quarterback. Behind him looks like Jacoby Criswell is going to be their number two QB transferred in from North Carolina. You know, last, this time last year he was battling Drake May to be the starting quarterback at UNC, and apparently it was a, a position battle that went. Fairly deep into the preseason, Drake May beats out Jacoby Criswell and then he goes out and has an ACC Player of the Year campaign. Was uh, He got votes for the Heisman Trophy. Criswell from Moralton transfers back to Arkansas. Uh, I think he knew he was going to sit behind K.J. Jefferson for a year when he got here. Uh, but, you know, Jefferson, he struggled with some injuries in the past couple of years. Missed two games last season, 
played through another one injured against Liberty. And there was such a market drop off from Jefferson to Malik Hornsby last year. I don't think there's going to be as much of a drop off this year. I think Criswell comes in a lot more polished of a quarterback than, than Hornsby was. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I think this is someone who's going to benefit from, from working with Enos. I, I think if you're Arkansas, you, you hate to lose KJ Jefferson if, if that happens at any point this season. But I think you do feel better about your backup situation than you have at, at any point, probably since Jefferson was the backup to Felipe Franks. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think Jacoby's a really, really talented guy. I remember one time, I can't remember, maybe in the, the first full week of camp, and there's obviously there's – KJ is such like a – he's like a known commodity, a proven commodity. So honestly, like there's not just a ton of questions out there uh, to be asked about KJ. And so there, I think there's a lot more intrigue and in like maybe how the progress of his backup is. And Sam Pittman said that Jacoby is going to be one of those guys that when he gets into a game, he's going to be – I think he's going to show that he's a better quarterback than he is at practice just because like quarterbacks are as off limits as they get in practice just to protect their health. You know, Jacoby's a guy that can run over 20 miles an hour. I think Sam said he maybe can run over 21. So you got a lot of athleticism there. Those are really pretty ball. And I think, I think KJ's making him better, honestly, because like Jacoby's seeing that like everybody's, Everybody's around KJ. That's great, but Jacoby's Jacoby's he's you can't tell me the kid doesn't have any pride about himself. And he wants to make he wants to make that quarterback. I don't know. It's not a competition, obviously. Um, if you're looking at it, KJ's the guy, but he wants to he wants the coaches to see it like it's a competition. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, don't forget about me. I can I can help this team win too. Uh, I think he's had a good camp too, but um obviously KJ's the guy. I think KJ's made him him a lot better because you know, Jacoby's, you know, he's getting the the second team reps. He's seeing what KJ's doing, and he feels like he's probably got to go match, you know, what KJ's doing to um, at least make KJ feel him. So I, I think he's had a pretty solid camp. I definitely feel confident in Jacoby. If, if something were to happen to KJ, that, that Jacoby could come in and um, there wouldn't be like this sense of panic in a home game. You, you know, sometimes when the starting quarterback goes out and he's as good as a KJ Jefferson is, that backup comes in, there's like a little bit of panic and some <laughs> angst and mm-hmm. um, uneasiness in the stadium. I don't, I think there would obviously be some of that because KJ's terrific player, but I think there's, there's a lot of confidence and there would be more of a like, okay, let's, let's see what Jacoby Criswell can do. Cause we know, we know he's a really talented guy. For my money, Criswell is the most mechanically sound quarterback that they have on the roster. And I'm just talking about if you, you stand behind them and, you know, you kind of look at their footwork, you look at how they go through their progressions. Uh, you know, Criswell is is the guy that you would want to, you know, just model everything after, I think, or, you know, come come really close to that. The difference is that Jefferson has got some of these intangibles and, and physical traits uh, that are just, just really rare. Uh, but I, I do think you feel better about Criswell than, than you ever did about Malik Hornsby last season when he had to come in the game or Cade Fortin or, or whoever the quarterback was. They, they went through some uncertainty with their backup quarterback play last season. Just from a backfield standpoint, Arkansas probably has the best backfield in the SEC when you say starting quarterback, starting running back. Rocket Sanders back, number two in the SEC last season in rushing, just missed out on the rushing title, uh, finished just behind Quinshawn Judkins at Ole Miss. Had a big year, had a big year catching the ball uh, from, from an all-purpose 
standpoint, uh, a really big sophomore season for Sanders. And, you know, the expectation is for him to have a, a big junior year too. maybe go pro after this season. And it's, it's really been interesting to watch him grow as a running back because they brought him in as a wide receiver and they put him at running back and, and he certainly played real well. He's on pretty much every watch list. You could find this preseason second team, all American on the uh, AP preseason team. And I mean, it's, it, it's everything you want from rocket Sanders or everything you want from a running back in rocket Sanders. To me, the intrigue at running back is going to be who's going to get the most touches behind him. I think coming out of spring, the thought was AJ green would be the number two back. I think Rashad Dabinion may have caught him this preseason. Uh, Dabinion's had a really strong camp from all indications. Yeah, there's, yeah, for sure. I, I think Dubinion, I remember I left, maybe it was spring ball, and I'm just like, man, this Dubinion kid's for real. And, you know, he, I think this summer he kind of flipped a switch in terms of, you know, his commitment to doing the other things, like away from the field, like like working out. I remember in the preseason we got all the running backs in the interview room once, and I think – I think it was Jimmy Smith that said that like he's committed to the weight room now. And, and I asked Rashad, mm-hmm. you know, why didn't you like the weight room? And he was like, man, I just didn't think I needed it. And he's in shape now is, is the word. And, you know, I kind of thought last year that maybe um, he could have afford, he could afford to, you know, maybe drop a little bit of weight that might help with his quickness and his shiftiness, which was really great as is, but he's in shape now. And I think him being in shape has him, you know, really hyper-focused on, you know, being, trying to be that number two guy. And A.J. Green is a guy that I, I I know is really talented, but we've really only seen him have a couple of great games. You know what I mean? It was, it, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, late in the Texas game. Like, that game was already in hand when he had his touchdown run. Mm-hmm. And then last year in the Liberty Bowl, Dubinion and, and A.J. Green both go for 99-plus. And but it was because Rocket got hurt. And so I'm ready to see if AJ Green can grab the reins of that number two spot and just kind of run with it. Um, we hear all the time about his his track speed. Um, and this year the word was from Jimmy Smith that, you know, he's a complete college back now, which I think that's music to a lot of people's ears. You know, I wrote a, the the story I wrote on AJ Green early in camp was like probably one of the most read stories that I've I've written in camp. Um, I think there's so much intrigue in AJ Green and so much want for him to be great. I think he can be, um, but yeah, that that number two battle um, for for carries behind Rocket is super in, intriguing because, I mean, if you, after the first scrimmage, you heard Sam Pittman get asked about the run game, and he's like, "Our dub special man," and he's making something out of nothing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just again, like with the quarterback situation. Um, you feel good about the the depth at running back. I don't know that there is a a deeper position on the offensive side of the ball than than at running back. And we haven't even touched on Dominic Johnson. Right. I think he he's had a he's had a fine camp. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of him in the fastball start segment, so we don't really get to see him cut and move. Um, maybe like we've wanted to. And Isaiah Augustov, I think he's he's going to be a terrific talent. Maybe in a couple of years, but it's a it's a loaded backfield. With Johnson, you have to believe that he's still going to be in the mix in, in short yardage situations. That's where he was so good a couple of years ago before the, the first knee surgery. He's had two of them now. Uh, I will say this, that you don't see him as much in the fastball starts, but you you do see him in what they call their inside run drill. And basically right. the inside run drill is where they bring in, I would say they bring in everybody except the receivers and the cornerbacks. So it's kind of, it's almost like maybe 
nine on nine type football. You typically have a tight end, maybe a couple of tight ends in there. You got your offensive lineman, uh, your, your, your running back, your quarterback defensively, you know, it's everybody who's going to pile in there at the line of scrimmage, your defensive lineman, your linebackers, your safeties, and they just go at it, man. I mean, it is, it's uh, it, it's one of my favorite drills to watch at practice. Um, Sam Pittman got on them real early in the preseason because he just didn't like the energy they were going through that drill with. And he basically said, you know, we do inside run drill to learn how to run the ball and how to stop the run when it's third and one, fourth and one, third and two, whatever the case might be. You know, basically when you know the run is coming, you know, you're going to run it. They know you're going to run it. You know, whose will can stop the other. And so it's a fun drill, but I, I say all that to say Dominic Johnson has been in those drills some and I've actually been pretty impressed with how he cuts in those inside run drills. It it looks like the knee is, I don't know if it's 100%. I don't know if it's 95%. I don't know where he is right now. But I, I think the fact that he's practicing and the fact that he is cutting is a good sign. And, you know, I thought one of the, the big issues for Arkansas last season <clears throat> was their inability to move the ball in short yardage situations. You can go back probably five, six games and, and look at a pivotal moment in those games where Arkansas wasn't able to to get a fourth and one, whether it be at the goal line or maybe it's in the middle of the field or whatever the case might be. And I thought that not having a Dominic Johnson was a key to that last year. Some of it has to do with the offensive line. I think some of it had to do with not having as good of a, a, a tight end blocking. Uh, but I, I think Dominic Johnson could help them in those short yardage situations this year. Yeah, I think there's a place for him. It's just, it's so hard for me though, to go against, you know, like KJ rocket, like, Rocket, I remember Rocket. I've I've said this since Rocket got here. Like he's been physically impressive since the day that he he first stepped on campus, and he was just like six two or six three and two hundred five pounds at the time. And now they've got him listed at, you know, the same size. I think it was he's listed at like the same size or very 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 close to what Derrick Henry was like maybe his last year at Alabama, mm-hmm. which is insane. And mm-hmm. Sam said at media days or maybe it was early in camp could have been Ben Souders, but he's faster than he was last year, stronger. Um, but I think there is a place for Dominic Johnson to get some carries because I think Sam is, and Jimmy Smith's probably the same way. Like he, he loves all of his guys in that room. Um, and he kind of takes it as a challenge to, you know, a lot of people would be like, how am I going to split up carries between like these four or five dogs that I've got in this position group, but he kind of takes it as a challenge. And, you know, you give Dominic Johnson a carry in a big situation, you need a yard or two, um, big spot and he converts like that's a huge confidence boost that's going to carry him you know, maybe, maybe the rest of that game into the next week for the next game. Um, I think a big confidence booster for Dom too, in the first scrimmage, he took a carry and took it to the house 50 yards. Mm -hmm. And when he broke through the second level of the defense, there was a, I think it was a young defensive back that tried to take him down by that right knee that he's got that bulky brace on. And he slipped his, he slipped his leg right through that, that, that tackle attempt. Um, took it to the house. I think that was that was huge for Dominique, and he's he's so talented, man. And kind of like Rashad Dubinian, he's he's big guy, but he's really shifty. Like he can stop on a dime and make guys miss. Um, remember when Dom was a freshman? I talked to I think it was his high school coach uh, from Crowley, Texas, and they, they nicknamed him the Dancing Bear because he's just like he's this big dude with the ball in his hands, but he's slippery and he is so hard to tackle, man. Hmm. I just hope that Dom's got enough confidence in that knee to be able to put his foot in the ground and make him what he was his freshman year. And I know that's got to be so hard after 
two knee injuries, but I just hope that he can get back to, you know, some semblance of himself from that first year he was here. You talk about short yardage. You know what the most, you know what the most successful play in the NFL was last year? It was the Eagles on those quarterback sneaks with Jalen Hurts. I wonder if you see that maybe some from Arkansas, the the influence. Because, you know, it's kind of like that trickle-down effect. What you see in the NFL, you start to see in college football. Uh, sometimes it's a trickle-up effect that, that NFL teams are taking what college teams do. But I don't know. I just I wonder if, if maybe seeing the success that the Eagles had with that might influence Arkansas in those short yardage to let K.J. Jefferson just plow his way forward. Because the Eagles, I think they converted that at something like a 96%, 97% clip last year when they only had – one yard to go when they ran a quarterback keeper. Yeah, I would I would put the ball in the the hands of my best player, my team leader, and that has since gosh, I guess it's basically it's like been this whole calendar year that Sam has said that KJ's the he's the guy on offense and defense. I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely I'm giving him the ball with with a game on the line, big spot, no doubt about it. Dan Enos coached Jalen Hurts for a year at Alabama. He actually compared. Uh, Jefferson to Enos in, in some, or he compared Jefferson to Hertz in a few ways. Uh, one of them, he said that they can both beat you with their brain. And I thought that was a, a very interesting comparison uh, between Jefferson and, and Hertz. And, and certainly physically, uh, there are some similarities between them. Uh, we'll move on and talk more about the Razorback offense. First, I want to tell you that the Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kindleking.com. That's K E N D A L K I N G.com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and will be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go hogs! Get the latest breaking news on all Arkansas Razorback sports at wholehogsports.com. Our award-winning reporters and photographers go beyond game recaps to bring our subscribers the most trusted Razorbacks news anywhere. With expert analysis, the latest in recruiting, plus unique and compelling stories of your favorite teams. Subscribe today at wholehogsports.com. We continue to talk about the Razorback offense as we move toward football season uh, let's talk about wide receivers here for a minute because they, they pretty much lose all of their receiver production from a year ago they get a little bit back but for the most part what you're looking at at wide receiver this year is, is a bunch of new names it feels a lot like last season when you had transfers come in and uh, they were the big players on offense whether it be Jaden Hazelwood or Matt Landers well this year it's uh, you know Andrew Armstrong a transfer in from Texas A&M Commerce you got Isaac Tesla, a transfer in from a Division II college in Michigan. Isaiah Satania, likely going to be their slot receiver. He was in a position battle there with Sam Mbake. Sam Mbake tore his ACL, or I don't know if it was a torn ACL. He, he hurt his knee, and it's going to require surgery uh, during uh, the first scrimmage of the preseason. And so he's out for the season. So it looks like your, your starting receivers right now are probably going to be uh, Tesla, Armstrong, and Satania, and a, a three-receiver look. There's, you know, going to be some others in there. I think uh, Jaden Wilson is having a, a pretty good camp. You hear a lot about uh, Tyrone Broden, the transfer in from Bowling Green. Davion Dozier uh, is is a, a new receiver to the program. Scotty, what have you seen from the wide receivers? Yeah, I think I think you're pretty set with maybe your your first group of guys like. 
Isaac Tesla and Andrew Armstrong, I don't know that there's been two more talked about guys in camp. And we're recording this on Tuesday. So Monday's practice was the 15th of the preseason. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> like if we get through a press conference or a practice and we don't see Andrew Armstrong or Isaac Tesla doing something that really stands out, or we don't hear them mentioned, you know, when we talk to, you know, a, a few players or a position coach, Dan Enos, even, you know, Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson, Darren Wilson, like all the guys on the defensive side too. Um, mm-hmm. They always get questions about receivers, but I think you're, I think you've seen Isaiah Satania really take off since the spring. Like he had a terrific spring game and mm-hmm. maybe I was guilty of it too, but I'm just like, it was great, but man, there's a lot, there's lots of guys around the country that have great spring games and then it doesn't really materialize. You know what I mean? Like they don't really carry it into camp, but I don't think so. It by, by the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like Satania's fallen off at all. And I'm kind of blown away by his burst. Like every time he, he catches a pass, he's cutting up field and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really elusive. And he gets, I think he gets off the ball pretty well. I think it's just, he's going to have to fight through some really physical defensive backs in this mm-hmm. league. Um, so maybe that's the concern with me. If there is another concern, it's just like, he hasn't really done it before. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's kind of three, you're every one of your top line guys, you feel like a receiver, they're not proven at this level, but they've all shown things that make you think that they can be a guy. Um, I think Tesla and Armstrong are, dudes at, at receiver like Tesla he was on um that college football freaks list like I think he was in the 80s somewhere like he's just got really good size um I remember shaking his hand one day after interviews and was just kind of struck by like his his build um and then you go to practice and watch him and he's making these really you know sure-handed catches all hands in traffic that kind of thing Andrew Armstrong will burn you I mean, he's got really, really good speed. I think he's one of the five guys on the team that runs 22 miles an hour plus where he did it in, in summer testing and, and whatnot. Um, Tyrone Broden is the guy that I think I was interested in most going into camp. Um, he was definitely slowed, I think, at the beginning of camp because he didn't go through a whole lot of the spring because of an injury. Mm-hmm. Really unfortunate because he, I think he collided with Andrew Armstrong in, in the end zone in, in the spring and missed a bunch of time. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen Broden make a few good plays, but I think there's been more um, seen him drop a few deep balls. And I think that was a bit of a concern um, at, at Bowling Green. I looked at PFF the other day. He had five drops last year, which is, is not, not ideal. Um, but if you can just like build that kid up, get him some confidence, I think he can definitely help. He's got really, really good size. Like he could be a big time red zone threat. Like if you just want to, you know, put a ball in the corner, jump ball, I think Tyron Broden's a good candidate. Um, beyond them, you know, Davion Dozier's an int- intriguing to me. All, again, true freshman, though. Um, he's got good size. But Jaden Wilson, I think Bryce Stevens, those two guys have got to – they've got to make a – they've got to they've got to take a step up because I don't, I don't know that you can, you know, entirely get away with just having like a three-receiver mm-hmm. cast um, and then there being kind of a, a, a sizable drop-off after that. They need, they need somebody from maybe that, that second group – uh, that we've been seeing in practice to to really rise up. Yeah, you you said a lot of what I thought, but you know, really to summarize my thoughts on that, those first three receivers, Tesla and Armstrong and Satania, great physical 
traits from those three, you know, really, you know, almost, I'm not going to say rare, but, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it stands out from the rest of the receivers. The question for me is how are all three of those guys going to do playing against physical cornerbacks in the SEC? Uh, because none of them have proven it against SEC defensive backs. And that's going to be the key, I think, uh, for the receiver room, or at least for those three, is how do they handle the physicality of, of the other SEC defensive backs. At tight end, looks like Luke has is going to be the starter, uh, probably the only freshman starter on this team. And uh, he's come in, you know, the the word on him since day one is that it's a really good looking tight end. He's put on a lot of weight looks bigger than he did last year at Bixby High School where he was a, a real standout at the tight end position. And I think what stood out to me with him is that from day one of camp, and it's been this way every time, you go back to that inside run drill, he's the tight end. And that tells me they like how he can block or they're going to throw him into the fire and say, you got to learn how to block. It's, it's one of the two, but he's worked with the offensive line every day in that inside run drill. And that tells me that, it, that he's going to get a lot of play this year as the tight end. Yeah, I think they're getting him ready for what he's about to see. And Matt, like I, I know I've only been doing this on this beat since 2018, but I've never heard players or coaches talk about a freshman like they do with Luke. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I know I said that, Tesla and Armstrong get a bunch of praise and they have uh, rightfully so from what I've seen, but Luke, Luke, he's just, and we saw it in the spring, like even before he, he put on some weight to help him kind of with that inline blocking type responsibilities that they're no doubt going to put on his plate. Like he was making plays in the spring. I mean, and he was brand new to, mm-hmm. to college football and he was making plays sure handed. Um, I think there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of trust in him. And he's kind of like that. He's kind of like that prototypical guy that you think Sam Pittman likes, right? Like he's one, it helps that he, he's from Oklahoma. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. think Sam's got a, he's got a fondness for kids from that state. It was in a great um, program at Bixby. Yeah. I, I think, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think that his class may have not lost a game after the seventh or eighth grade. That's crazy. crazy. I mean, so he comes from a real winning tradition. And I think that that, I think there's some value in that. Yeah, no doubt. And he, he can run, he can catch the ball. He'll, he'll lay you out. I remember one time, I think me and you were watching the inside run drill and Luke was in there and Dominic Johnson maybe carrying the ball. And um, I think I remember Luke coming down the line of scrimmage. So like started the play on the right side, you know, ran down the line to the left side, and just took out a linebacker that's hmm. been, I think, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Jaheim Thomas. So it was a hmm. guy that's been productive, you know, on a top 20 defense before in his career. And he's, he's just like took the guy out of the equation. And I don't want to hype Luke up like he's going to be freshman All-American by the end of the season. But this kid, you I think you're going to see a lot of him. And if you see a lot of him, it's going to be because you're seeing a lot of really, really good things from him. A lot of, a lot of things that um, I think he's just, he's got a he's got a special skill set, and I think Dan Enos wants to take advantage of that because anytime he's had good tight ends, like when he was at Arkansas, he he utilized the hell out of them. And one of the most important um, positions on the fields, I, I think you're going to really like what you say out of Luke. Well, to me, it's just telling the fact that that he's in line to start as a true freshman. No and doubt. you know, I mean, you've got Tyrus Washington, who they really liked last year. They brought in a couple of transfers older players 
to to build some depth there at tight end and and has is by all indications outplayed him and it, it's going to be a surprise to me if he's, he's not the number one tight end uh, when the season begins next week offensive line will finish there today uh, I think you kind of know what you're going to get from this offensive line on the interior Bo Limmer at center moves over from guard where he's played the last few seasons uh, Sam Pittman says he's as good as any center that he's had and he said he's had six or seven or eight go in the NFL draft uh, they think that Limmer is going to be a, a fine replacement for Ricky Stromberg uh, left guard Brady Latham is back he started every game the last three seasons if he starts against Western Carolina it'll be his 37th consecutive start he's not going to get to the consecutive starts record I don't think and I guess he could if Arkansas plays for a championship but he's going to push that consecutive records or, or consecutive start record at Arkansas that that Travis Swanson and, and Jerry Franklin have when they started 50 consecutive games as long as Latham can stay healthy we've sent him on some some preseason all SEC all America type teams Josh Braun comes from Florida I played tackle some at Florida he's an older player he's going to most likely be the right guard for this team. Uh, so I, I think that you feel good about what you have in the interior of the offensive line. To me, the big question marks are at tackle. You've got Patrick Kutis uh, at right tackle, probably going to be the starter there in game one. And then at left tackle, that's really the position that I think is still up in the air. Devin Manuel was the first team left tackle coming out of the spring. And then he goes through a, a week long concussion protocol. Andrew Chambly, uh, works out with the first team during that time. And now it looks like Chambly is going to give Manuel a, a run for his money to be the tackle. But uh, th those two tackle positions, I, they're, they're so critical, obviously. And I, I, I think that to me is maybe the two biggest question marks on the offense. Yeah, there it's, yeah, it's all about the tackle spots right now, because you look at left guard, center, right guard, that's where all, that literally where all of your experience is, right? Like Josh yep. Braun, um, he, you know, he played over, I think over 600 snaps at Florida, you know, the PFF numbers might not be exactly what you want, but I think, I don't think you can put a price, you know, when you've got a, a you know, somewhat inexperienced line, like any experience that you have playing in the SEC is great. And I think, you know, Josh Braun brings a little bit more know-how, to that line and you know he can help out a guy like Patrick Kudas who's who's to his right and is about to get thrown into the fire like never before in his life like mm -hmm. that's I think that's that's really big and you know Andrew Chambly um Sam Pittman said that he had a great week last week you know stepping in for for Devin Manuel and he's kind of at least solidified himself as as the backup there I think you got really good competition with him and Devin Manuel um I heard at practice yesterday that Devin Manuel um I think he rolled an ankle in the scrimmage Saturday and he should be back by, by Wednesday. So midweek, um, I don't know if that's cause for concern with manuals. Like the, you mentioned the concussion stuff too. And now an ankle, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit concerned about durability there with a, a young guy. Um, but Chambly having a, a, everybody saying that he had a good week last week gives me a little bit more comfort, but if you get past Chambly or Chambly, like I was looking at Ethan's practice notes yesterday. You got Aaron Smith and Brock Burns behind him. And I could mm -hmm. not honestly tell you where either of those mm -hmm. guys are from. Yeah. So you need those, you need that left tackle spot, obviously a really important spot with being the blind side and all, but um, you need those, you need one of those two guys to be really healthy. You look at the right side, Kudis has been the guy at right tackle seemingly all camp, at least every time that we've seen the fastball start, like it's been mm -hmm. 
every time we've seen him, Patrick Kudis has been right there. And it seems like he's been holding off either Tykeese Crawford or Marion Harris. Um, those two guys have been kind of flipping between right guard and right tackle. Um, plenty in camp everybody's getting some one reps you know at right guard right tackle um between a marion harris and tyke's Crawford. i think kudis is the guy i remember when sam Pittman was announcing the um or he was talking about it the i think it was the it was in december 2021 so i guess it was the early signing period and Pittman said that kudis is going to be he's got the potential to be a guy that plays you know really early in his career mm-hmm. well he was on special teams units last year this year he's got a like it looks like he's going to start so that was a pretty prophetic statement from sam and i think him going against trajan jeffcoat every day in practice i mean how can that not help you become a better player like jeffcoat's about to i think his career started in like 2018 <laughs> i mean he's been in yeah. college football a long time he's i think he's really helping um, Kudis kind of get get war ready for for what's coming on Saturdays. I don't know how much we're going to learn about Arkansas's line play the first two games because they for they sure. ought to be able to push around Western Carolina and then Kent State. I was listening to something a, a day or two ago that Kent State I think is maybe the the second worst team in FBS in terms of power ratings going into this season. And so you know it might be that BYU game where you start playing against all the you know those big linemen from the Samoas and sure. uh, the the Pacific Islands where you you learn a little bit more about your your line. But from what we've seen this preseason, it seems like the defensive line for Arkansas has been really hard to handle um, mm-hmm. for this offensive line. So is that an indication of? And we're going to talk about the defensive line Thursday. Is that an indication that this defensive line is really good? Is it an indication that the offensive line might have some areas for concern? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I don't know. You know, so it, it, it may be a few weeks before we really know a whole lot about the Razorbacks line play. Uh, you can read all of our camp coverage at wholehogsports.com. We hope you'll join us there. And we will be back later this week with a look at the defense. We'll go through all the positions just like we did today for the offense. So until then, for Scotty Bordelon, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The preceding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media. 